0: Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student-athlete and co-host. Ryan, jam, two-man, monster flush. Off the inbound, Ryan, jam, slam, jam. Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication, personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served... Thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. It is officially March, and yes, a few weeks ahead, March Madness has already started for many of the one bid leagues, and we're here for it. Especially Ui Poovy, who covered 23 and a half last night against Oakland with five. Five total players. None of whom, I think, were even on scholarship. I mean, they had open tryouts a couple weeks ago, and they only lost by 11. Pretty remarkable. Ryan said that there was a buzzer beater today on a tip-in and, and another double-digit underdog one. A uh, little shout-out to Hope men's team for the 3 peed against Calvin. They got the MIAA tourney title and a D3 tournament berth. The women, too, for avenging their only loss in the last three seasons. They're starting the tournament at home this weekend. Good luck to the Flying Dutch and the Flying Dutchman. And I got to say, kudos to Coach Tuck in the Izone against Purdue this weekend. And I think it was him. I at least sounded like him. Heard him clearly on TV from the front row going crazy uh, during, especially towards the end of that game, and then seeing him in Ann Arbor last night. That's what I'm here for as a Spartan fan. Love you, Coach Tuck. All right, that out of the way. A lot of exciting stuff going on, just even down to the wire of doing the podcast tonight. Ryan, the lectern's yours.
1: Yeah, now I'll talk about briefly about a topic that we do not normally touch on, a topic that we have been, um, you know, we've, we've talked crap about. We've, we've blown, you know, gone at them, and that's baseball. Um, and they're in the middle of a, a, a lockout right now, um, you know, and there is no um, end in sight right now. Yesterday, they thought they could have had an end in the. The uh, commissioner of MLB, Rob Manfred, came out with some, tried to make some deal with the with the players, and it was not even close to what they were looking for. Um, and now, I mean, the, the first two, the first week of the season is for sure canceled. Um, I'm sure that's going to keep growing as time goes goes on and on here as we're. Already in March, um, and the season starts at the end of this month. I mean, spring training. Those guys aren't gonna have spring training. I that's mean, usually that's February. Great development for for young players and stuff like that. I mean, I know I know the Tigers were having some guys down um, in Lakeland that were not in in the league. You know, they're AAA and, and, and guys and stuff like that, young guys. But they don't have their you know their older guys uh, down there to help. So uh, it's just a, it's a mess. We we've talked a lot about how baseball season's too long. I I I get that, but. Man, this is a bad look for Manfred and the MLB here. It's, it's not looking good. The players are not happy. Um, no end in sight. And we I mean, it should be 100 games anyways, but these guys are just going to keep losing games and games. It's going to probably, I bet it won't start till May at least. I mean,
0: as of now. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but 94-95, it was a pretty close to or maybe even a full season lockout And that almost destroyed baseball all those years ago when there was a lot less for people to do. I mean, the NBA goes till July. NHL goes to July. People talk and think about football all year round. It's a big, big gamble by the players and the owners and commission, whoever else in Major League Baseball. That's all I got to say about that. Not good. All right. For my podium, I went back and forth on a couple things. Um... And I think we might have touched on this before. I think we talked a little bit about it with Coach slash Ref George a few weeks ago, I think. Obviously, they don't have review process in D3. But can we just, like, agree, and football aside, because that's this whole other issue, that the review process in college basketball takes way too long. I mean, when are we going to get to a point where we just trust the judgment of the refs? I get it. We have technology. We have this. We have that. But, like... Every stoppage at the end of the Michigan State Purdue game, which by the way, they got wrong, they would say it's inconclusive. It was pretty conclusive to me watching that Walker was both feet above the ground when he touched the ball there. That was a five, six, seven minute stoppage that gives teams a free timeout. Case in point tonight, Indiana Rutgers, if you saw the end of that game, crazy, crazy finish we'll get to in a minute. But they were reviewing and reviewing, and it, you know, it wasn't six or seven minutes, but it was a probably good two- to three-minute stoppage to see whether Ron Harper Jr.'s toes were behind the line, and it wasn't even close. I mean, there was easily space. The referee is five feet away. He saw it, trusted judgment, and go. Like, at what point are we going to say enough of this? Because we do enough timeouts as it is, and then these re- these review replays, reviews, Sorry, At the end of games, they take so long. And they give teams who have you know long since burned their timeouts, they give them life. They give them a outs. chance to figure things out. It's, it's frustrating. It's made college basketball into a two-and-a-half-hour game in close games. And it's not necessary. It's ridiculous. I mean, technology's done a lot of great things, and it's changed a lot in my lifetime for sure. But helping games at the end, when in most cases the refs are getting it right in real time, that ain't it. All right, moving on to our tea up I think it'll be pretty clear and obvious maybe why if we, for our Michigan State fans on the podcast and Michigan fans, too, um, because you can't excuse the behavior of Hunter Dickinson. Now, I will say this. Phenomenal game last night against Michigan State. No question. Dominant, I would argue, and I would have this conversation at work with a couple guys today, he could score 33 points. It was the other guys that beat Michigan State. But that aside, you know,
1: kudos to him. Kudos
0: to him. Great game. But you're taunting, and it's not just last night. Watch him, it happens game oh, in and game yeah. out. He stares down the opposing bench, he points at him, he grabs at himself. Like, dude, celebrate with your freaking teammates, first and foremost. And second of all, celebrate with your fans. Don't call attention to yourself, and sure as hell, don't go after a Hall of Fame coach. Izzo was hot, rightfully so. I almost wonder if Juwan Howard was there, it had something gone down, because clearly that behavior cycles down, and it comes from the top down. I thought the officials, once they kind of figured out what the hell was going on and paid attention to it, they talked to him, although he seemed to be glaring at the bench during that when, if you caught it coming out of the timeout. Martelli, who is a good coach and is a good friend of Izzo, Caught it, pulled him out, scolded him for it, sat him a little bit longer. When are we going to freaking grow up? Like celebrate with your teammates, celebrate with your fans. Do not taunt the opposing team and coaches. But I expect nothing less because it's Michigan.
1: Yeah, just just like we said last week. When you when you win, say nothing. When you lose, say less. I mean, this guy
0: you're having a dominant game, doing it all year. I mean, you're double teed up Dickinson because you're an ass bag to begin with. Somebody, somebody. You can disagree with me if you want, but somebody needs to give him a hard clothesline when he's going at the basket and put him on his ass, not hurt him, not knock him out of the game, but send a message that that shit won't be tolerated. That's that's how you end things like that. That's how you used to end things like that when I was a kid, whether it was on the playground, Bill or on the court. Yeah, Bill Lambier. Now the game is too soft and we let these clowns do this kind of stuff. There's no place for it in college basketball. It does fuel the rivalry for Ryan and I because it only makes us hate Michigan worse, but we're teeing you up. I won't go I won't give you the name that Ryan <laughs> Ryan and I have given Hunter Dickinson. All right, moving on to spot number one. We gotta stay fresh in hoops, Big Ten, NCAA hoops. I mean it was a crazy week. Ryan, I'll let you take the mic first, give us a little bit of rundown on what what you've seen. Um, who's your team of the week, how are our lineups doing? I've got thoughts on Michigan State. i got a lot of thoughts on basketball in general, so I'll rattle them off after you go.
1: Yeah, basketball is absolutely on fire right now. would love to see it. And we'll just come right out and say it. We'll, we'll look into it next week at the exact um, numbers that we had in, in terms of you know, Big Ten um, you know, placements and, and where, we'd, where teams would finish um, at the end of the season. Boy. What do we have? I just sneak peek. What do we have Wisconsin? What what were what, what do we have? Seven and 13. 7 and thirteen in the Big Ten. And they're gonna Ninth. they're gonna win it outright. I mean they play Nebraska and Saturday. playing well, but they're gonna be finished sixteen and four and, and win the conference and have a shot at a one seed if they win the Big Ten tournament, honestly. Um crazy. Um that's why you play the game, right? I mean yeah. they they proved everyone wrong. Um Johnny Davis and Chucky Hepburn and and Tyler Wall and Brad Davis and all step the, the, they have four good players that's really it and then you know the rest kind of just do their thing and you know it's it, they've done it's worked for them and they're they're doing really well and here they are and they're going to win the Big Ten so at least you share Purdue not impressive lately I mean I mean they have Grant they've lost Tough four teams. games at the buzzer basically mm-hmm. I mean Rutgers, on a bank Indiana, shot like Michigan State Wisconsin. Um, that's tough, but they just don't play defense. I'm, I'm out on them right now. I'm going to give you a, a – that's a team that I think could lose – I mean, they probably trending more towards a three seed right now. If they catch a 14 seed, um, like a Wagner or something like that, a, a Bryant, that's a hot team that plays in a pretty decent – Somebody that can shoot
0: lead, and score, they could be lose. In
1: I mean, they have – the offensive firepower that they have is through the roof. But, I mean, Michigan State – Went against it to, well, Michigan State's been playing terrible defensively, and they they held them pretty in check. and And then Michigan State scored pretty well in that game. Um, I, I don't know. I just I don't know. They're a weird team. Um, they're, they're good enough to get to a Final Four, but I don't think they can because you know I think just defense. I mean, we talked about the efficiency defensively. I mean that that kills you. Um, you know, eventually
0: their ratings improved a little bit, but they're still triple digit rating for yeah, defensive good. efficiency and. That combined, if you, if you can't stop teams, and then all of a sudden, because you, you're going to have bad shooting nights, you're going to have just you know nights like the last couple games. I mean, last night what was it barely in the in the upper fifties. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to have that, especially in the tournament when you're, you know, maybe you're less familiar with teams and teams can't they don't know your stuff like the back of their hand. I I mean, I get that argument, but still, I mean, it happened to them last year, right? Yep. And they lost in the tournament. To so. North Texas, who's probably going to be in it again. Maybe they'll get a rematch.
1: Another weird team. Ohio State has been—they played really well, beat Illinois last week, and they've lost two in a row to not great teams, two of the worst in the Big Ten. um, Injuries kind of stacking up for them. Um, kind of on the ropes here towards the end of the season Indiana death taxes Indiana on the bubble um <laughs> lately yeah. playing their way off
0: of it again now down to 18-11 um, 9-10 and, and they've got a Purdue at Purdue home and right? then Big Ten no Jordan, Purdue away Purdue at, at um, Mackey who's pissed because they lost to Wisconsin good luck yeah haven't beaten them in the 10 straight? No, it's not been good. Iowa,
1: I think, is the hottest. Oh, no, no, they beat them.
0: They beat them earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, they that's beat right. them.
1: Yeah, that's right. Iowa's the hottest team in the Big Ten, aside from Nebraska, really, right now. Actually, Nebraska, two big wins. Hadn't won on the road in, like, two years, and then now they've won two in three days. Crazy. Um, Northwestern's bad. Penn State's not great. Um, Rutgers, back on the bubble. I, I Just a weird, weird team. Um Big Ten's weird. Minnesota, I mean, I, I honestly could tell you right now that I think that any of the 14 teams that play in this conference could win the Big Ten tournament. It's that up for grabs right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I love it, but
0: wow. And I don't know that winning the Big Ten tournament this year is going to, you know, like it kind of Michigan State we lament back in 2016 when we won the Big Ten tournament and we still got a two seed mm-hmm. and we know what happened then. They lost to Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. Um, You know, obviously ones are not immune. Thank you, Virginia and, you know, the golden retrievers of UMBC. But I don't know that winning the Big Ten is necessarily going to help you this year. I mean, a Wisconsin, yeah, maybe it gets into the two line. We'll talk about bracketology in a little bit. But I I don't, it's not going to make anybody a one seed. The Big Ten is not going to get a one seed this year. Mm -hmm. So do you burn it all up? I mean, yeah, you want to win the damn thing, of course. But do you burn it all up? for that? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just hope it's not Michigan that wins it. I mean, you, that's the thing is you could get an outside team that needs the, the a Rutgers or an Indiana mm-hmm. or somebody to get hot, although Indiana's never fared well in the Big Ten Tournament. So, no, we'll talk never, more about that next week. never won it. Honestly. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that more next yeah. week as we prepped for it. But
1: Kyle, I mean, it's crazy. Xavier, who was a, probably a five seed, maybe even a four seed a month and a half ago, they're on the bubble now, hardly... Maybe not even going to get in. I mean, Iowa State, another bubble team. Get this, playing Oklahoma State, who I mean they, they they're well coached by um, what's his name? I can't remember what his name is um, young, younger guy. Um, they're banned from the tournament this year. Um, nothing really to play for. They can't play in the Big Twelve tournament. Nothing. They just beat Iowa State at Iowa State fifty three to f- thirty six. Ooh. and Iowa State so It's so called like a peach basket team. game. Oh. Not good. Not good for them. Um, another cool thing, or not cool, but interesting little fact about Wisconsin. They've won 15 games this season by like under six points.
0: Yeah, 15. No, not just 15 this season. 15 consecutive games by six or less. The longest streak in Division One since the three-point line was added in that's 1986. Ridiculous. I saw that today, too. That is crazy. And that's why Wisconsin could be a dark horse. Tournament time because they know how to win close games, and you can love them, hate them like we do. Brad Davison, at least he he keeps his stuff personal to the other team and his cheap shots to the other team. He doesn't taunt benches very often like Dickinson. But dude, he had some big sh- plays last night against Purdue. I mean, he's a gamer and he's a six-year starter. Started like 153 or six or something like that games in a row. Um, yeah. You know, and then they got Johnny Davis, who's an NBA guy. I mean, they man the coaching job that Greg Gard's done is fantastic for sure. How how are our teams doing, Ryan? Oh, and the, you don't think you want to know how your team's doing? Um, yeah, that's because my big We're tied.
1: Um, ninety with uh, ninety-three games, including here. Trace Jackson. I did tonight. not include that tonight. No, but I also had what's his name, um, Ron Harper, Harper game winner. Yeah, yeah, game winner. Um, I. Uh, 26, 21 points, and you had 24-71. So my, my biggest difference is Keegan Murray and, and Johnny Davis, 400 points for, for Murray, 388 for Johnny Davis. And, um, I mean, Keegan Murray, what's that, 400? I mean, it's like 22 points per game for, for Keegan Murray. I mean, outrageous numbers, 22.2 points a game um, in conference play. Uh, it's not bad, not bad at all. Um, but yeah, EJ's definitely your highest guy here. He's got 5.98, and then my highest guy is Johnny Davis with 6.45. Wow,
0: pretty phenomenal. Yeah, so kind of my rundown, and you know, we got a lot of stuff to talk about Big Ten-wise, especially next week too with awards and season recaps and all that kind of stuff. But just kind of stream of consciousness <coughs> thoughts right now. We covered the Wisconsin status. I thought that was fantastic. This is a fun fact. Wisconsin also now has 20... Big Ten titles. Would you have thought that? I am mean, no. And a fair amount of them actually have been in the 2000s. But mm-hmm. they're tied with Ohio State for the third most in Big Ten history. Purdue's got 24 in Indiana. I think it was at 22 or 23. Michigan State is next behind the two tied for 20 with 17. Um, still, I was kind of surprised by that. And you know their court storm last night I mean first of all the Col center is a beautiful building and it's huge. I mean it was a great court storm and it was done in the right way. Um, just a crazy finish to that game, you know Ivy with the with the three to tie it and mm-hmm. then the banked in three and I mean oh, that, that's how that's March Madness right there even in a regular season game. a couple other things. Get this, Nebraska hadn't had a road Big Ten, or I might have even heard that wrong. It might have been an overall road win in like something like 848 days. That's well over two years. And now it's two in a row. They smoked Penn State, who Ryan and I have thought has played decent and beat Michigan (coughs) State. Um, Then they went and they handled kind of a dinged up Ohio State team that's reeling, which, by the way, like Ryan said, Ohio State is reeling. Who's real and more? I mean, Michigan State's been such a roller coaster, but Michigan State, Ohio State is a big game tomorrow night in Columbus. It's for position, for seating, and who you're going to play. I don't think either of these teams have any trouble getting into March Madness regardless of what happens no. in that game, but it's it could be a good momentum builder. Um, Purdue's offense really is I, I kind of teams have slowed them down a little bit in the last couple straight. Michigan State did a good job. Wisconsin did a good job. Two pretty good defensive teams. Again, you get in the tournament teams don't know each other as well they don't know tendencies they don't know you know all the stuff that big 10 teams know on each other it could change a little bit but um that's something to keep an eye on and, and I, I gotta tell you right now way before brackets coming out i don't know that i'd p- be thinking about putting purdue in the final four even though earlier in the year i thought they were a shoe in iowa like ryan said is hot they've got four straight wins i think that's tops in the league. Um, I'm just going to say it right now. Michigan is a far better coach team under Phil Martelli. Oh, yeah. They smoked Michigan State last night. Um, Michigan State, a little, you know, A.J. Ogart a little under the weather, but it was the typical what we've been seeing in Michigan State. They, they got off to an okay start, but then they didn't miss. forgot how to play defense. And Michigan plays and shoots exceedingly well at home, yes, but, I, I mean, the same woes plagued Michigan State. And, and I, if it's fatigue... Boy, they're in trouble because they got to go to Ohio State. I think they took a bus from Ann Arbor to Columbus last night.
1: Last night, Um,
0: and then they come back and they play Sunday again. So that's four games in eight days. Um, You know, I had in my notes before the Indiana Rutgers. You know, can Rutgers get another key win or two? Can Indiana? Mm, Yes and no. Rutgers got that huge win at Indiana. Another quad one win. I I believe that'll be like six or so for them. I mean, they've got a lot of big wins in the Big Ten. I think even at 17 and 12, I don't know who they have in their last game. Um, Let's just say they finished 18 and 13. I think that they're probably solidly in based on who they've beaten. Um, You know, They've proven that they can win on the road as well as at home. Um, Moving out of the Big Ten, and then we'll come back to Michigan State in a minute, but Um, Arizona, first regular season Pac-12 title since 2018. That's not that long, but a little surprising. How about this as a surprise? I had to read this like four times to believe it. Duke clinched their first at least share, and they can win it outright if they beat North Carolina on Coach K Day. First regular season. Regular season. They win the tournament a lot. ACC title since 2010. Oh, by the way, they won the Natty that year. Um, in a Final Four that Michigan State was in with Butler and West Virginia, um, how about last Saturday, the final Saturday of February? All six AP top ten or, or it's top six teams lost. Providence that same weekend clinched their first ever regular season Big Ten or sorry Big East crown. Then they lost to Villanova last night. They've lost three Big East games and two of them have been to Villanova, so go figure. Um, Florida State had a big win tonight. I think I don't know that they're even. In now they are. Right? But no. big win against Notre Dame. But they had a classic buzzer beater against UVA that probably knocked UVA out last week. I mean, it is a season, right? Like teams like Ooey Pooey playing with five guys that, you know, they, they picked up off the intramural rosters and all these mid major leagues, which are fun to watch the NIAC and the Horizon and all that stuff. I mean, March Madness, like Ryan said, is going to be as epic as ever. And the only thing is, is, I'm going to go in with needing a, a bowl of Tums next to my bowl of Doritos and my cases of beer to watch Michigan State because it's the same you-know-what, different day. I, I thought they kind of turned a corner and figured some things out against Purdue. They finally played aggressive. They finally took the fight to somebody else. Maddie Sissoko actually in both the two games really did some big things yeah, against good really big well. guys. Um Guys started to step up. Gabe, not until the second half last night, but against Purdue, got off to a hot start. They've been playing Christie a little bit at the point guard, partially because Hogard was out most of the time last night. I mean, Walker with a clutch shot against Purdue. Michigan State weathered the storm. They did all the things right. They pulled that trigger and the lineup change was great. And then they went and they... Threw up on their shoes. I'm telling last you night right now, Michigan they need to
1: change this. The starting lineup, when everyone's healthy, it, it needs to go to Hogard, Christie, Brown, Hauser, Marble. I think Malik Hall's better coming off. Yeah, the I match. think He's we've seen that. Title. He he
0: hasn't been that great in the last two games. I would agree with that. I think some guys, you know, Mo Pete was like that early in his career. Some guys come a little bit better off the bench. They can just see what the game is going to bring to them, um, and there's nothing wrong with that because Hall played starter minutes and. In in a way, Hauser's played a little bit better coming off the bench too. So I don't know what the answer is there, but you know Walker obviously was a little over probably overplayed last night and tired with no Hogard dinged up his knee a little bit too. So that's not good. But here I'm just going to give you a couple of my last pet peeves, and then I'll let Ryan take the mic. But Hogard Walker, you know Christie Aikens, whoever's handling the ball, would you decide? First of all, you dribbled the air out of the basketball, which I learned from the legendary Hall of Fame high school coach in Michigan, Steve Marley, is the death. When your point guard dribbles the air out of the ball. Or the other egregious mistake that Michigan State point guards do is they kill it too early. There's never an in-between. Another thing that pisses me off. I'm going to break down film one of these games, and I'm going to watch it because my hunch is that 95% of Michigan State's offensive sets in the half court start on the right side of the floor. And at least 50% of the time, if not more, it stays on the right side of the floor, which is a huge problem for Michigan State. We've talked about this in the past. They're a roller coaster. Guys are all over the place. Gabe Brown got in some foul trouble, but he was persona non grata in the first half. Last night at Michigan, played and showed some fight in the second half, as did the team in general. Aikens had a nice second half. Too little, too late against a team that had all the mo. Um, We talked a little bit about all the energy and hustle against Purdue and then very little against Michigan, which goes to a leadership issue. And thank you, Coach Izzo, for finally stop coaching this team with kid gloves and calling a spade a spade. You admitted and you called out your team for not having a leader. You admitted and you called out Malik Hall for being an enigma, being a roller coaster. I get it. Kids are softer these days. But damn it, don't change how you coach. Find guys that can adapt to your coaching Coach them hard. I, I just fear it's too late. I fear it's yeah. too late. And this is the other anecdotal thing that I'm going to throw at you because Ryan and I were lamenting this last night. Michigan State's Tuesday Big Ten record Plus is six. one in five yep. on Tuesdays. One in five. Sick, and I think one in six
1: overall, probably because Kansas was Tuesday. Man. Right, right. Yeah, I just the They always usually, oh, well, it wasn't ESPN last night, but I'm not going to read too much into the game last night. I mean, Michigan State didn't play great, but I mean, I don't think Michigan could have played much better than that, to be honest with you. That was kind of a perfect storm for them. Dickinson obviously got his, and then guys like Terrence Williams, three for four from three, I think he was. He made six all year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a 28% three-point shooter. Three threes. Brandon Johns, like a 25% three-point shooter, makes a three, scores five points. And uh, Frankie Collins, a guy that hasn't given them much, if anything, all year, had... I think he had two points, like four steals, four assists, or something like that. Give a shot in the arm. Just, uh, that happened. That's how
0: you, lo- you you one guy can't beat you. Look at Zach Eadie did not beat Michigan State. Was he a stud against Michigan State? Hell yeah, he was. Did he beat him by himself? No. Did Kofi Coburn beat Michigan State the second time they played by himself? No. It's when you, and you can even let one other guy be good. But you can't let guys like that—guys that are on the periphery, guys oh, that aren't Houston very good. Going, Houston had like it's okay, if really well, Dickinson but... and Houston together by themselves. I'm sorry, two can't still beat five. I mean, the two guys, those two guys alone, I think combined had 50 of their points. Mm-hmm. So if the rest of your guys you hold to like 15, that's 65 points. That's a game you're probably going to win more often than not. Even but 20, you, that's you can't points. you can't let guys make. Half as many threes in one half as they had in the entire Big Ten season before that. And a lot of it, as Coach Izzo said in his presser, was because we didn't follow the scouting report. I am I've always been a fan of, you know what, play to your strengths and and let another team as long as you know you can, let them play to their strength. If Michigan's strength is to go through Dickinson, so what? Great. You have 33 points. Yeah, make it hard on them, bang them, push them, throw different bodies at them. Yeah. But if he gets 33 points at the end of the day, so what? If the rest of the team that shouldn't doesn't shred you, you win. Nine times out of ten, you win if you handle the rest of the team the way the scouting report says. That's why Michigan State beat Purdue on Saturday, because they didn't give up the three ball. Purdue, the number one shooting percentage and the number one made three-point team in the nation. Made two, I think. think. One or two the whole game, because we said, fine, get two-point baskets. You're not getting threes. And Michigan State completely fell off the wagon with that last night, and that's why they lost, and that's why they're not going to go very far in March. Same
1: thing happened against Illinois. Kofi let mm-hmm. him get his. He had 27 and whatever, and then yep. Grandison, a guy that's doesn't get much. Doesn't usually and score And the first time bag. we
0: played, well, there was no Kofi, but, you know, the ginger dude off Luke the bench yeah, like who scored any points. points all season at 12 points. I mean, like... I mean I, it's happens. not rocket science I don't get paid millions of I get paid nothing to do a, well except for our gracious sponsor to do a podcast so it equates to about a dollar a podcast that I make after paying Ryan commission for making the sale I, and I can see this plain as day I don't understand we have all these coaches on benches we have all these assistants we have video guys whatever it's pretty simple and oh by the way I know that this goes to Ryan's take away somebody's strong hand I I don't get it. Dickinson's left handed. Don't let him shoot left handed. Or if he does, make him shoot from behind the basket. I mean, it's like all these bigs have one patented move, and that's why they're not in the NBA yet. And Michigan State fails to take it away. I I, I get it. They're big. They're short. He's all left. He's all left. And and, and, I mean, I just. Lefties are harder to guard, but it's happened in Michigan State against Edie, Williams, Coburn. I mean, lots of guys. They just continually let these guys go to their strong. You know what I equate this to?
1: Michigan State guarding bigs is the equivalent of Michigan State's secondary in football this past season.
0: <laughs> it's the it same thing. thing, right? Yeah, and you got such a you know, it's so you got bingham who's long and if he stays down which is only about 50 percent of the time there's a better than average chance he's going to block your shot but he bites on pump fakes all the time sissoko i will say the last two games has gotten better and he'll bang and damn it i wanted him to just clothesline dickinson last night to be honest because that's a guy that you can you know whatever if he has to sit a game for a flagrant foul um marble looked tired last night i mean dude's been playing lights out he's he's are really truly the best offensive post player Michigan State has. Ryan, you said exactly. something to me about Xavier in comparison to him. What did Izzo say about that? He said, why not be Xavier Tillman? Too. Right. So, like, he's got a jumper so he could pick and pop. He's good. He's got a great, deadly jump hook. Um, but he gives up a lot of size, right? He's six eight. He's pretty strong, but, you know, he still was giving up, what, 4 or 5 inches to these guys, and he's given up, you know, probably twenty. 25 pounds in seven one, you so. know and that's a big deal so it's just in Michigan State refuses to to not often anyway dig or double the post and I get it that's fine because you don't want to be beaten by three points well then last night stop dribble penetration like hello McFly crazy all right that's probably enough of a rant on basketball unless you got anything else Ryan? nope all right let's move to spot number two bracketology all right Ryan Shoot me your one seeds, and then who's in from the Big Ten this week for you? One seed,
1: um, what seed? There, uh, kind of, kind of shaking up here. Top two same, um, Gonzaga and Arizona, moved Baylor in there as well as Kentucky. Um, moved Auburn and Kansas off there. I think Kentucky is really good, and I think Baylor's extremely good. So, um, those are them for right now. Seeds for Big Ten. Um, I think Ohio State. Um, you know before I had was a four last week I'm moving down to a six um, and they're turning kind of in the wrong direction Michigan State has a 10 last week I think that win against Purdue I think Michigan State ends up um, splitting these next two and then winning one of the Big Ten tournaments. so two and two from here on out I think that gets them to a seven seed I think that's what they will end up as um, and probably have to play a Kentucky or Duke or something like that in the second run if they get there. Um, Purdue team that's fallen off since February 8th. The first time we did it, I had them as a one. I've got them as a three seed now. Um, kind of falling down. Illinois, consistent three seed. I think that they, they can make some noise in March. If they get a good draw. Wisconsin, start them as a four, then a five, then a four. I'm moving up to a two. I think that they are playing fantastic. Um, winning close games, that goes a long way. Um, you know they, they know how to close it. Indiana, I before tonight, I had them as last four in. I have moved them right now as we speak to the first four out and I've moved Rutgers who I had his first four out to last four in 12 seed um I think that that win tonight probably puts them in I, I moved Iowa to a seven I think that there's teams um in front of them that are playing a little better but I, I mean I think they still could end up as a six ish um depending on what they end up doing then I've moved Michigan um to the last four in as of right now I think that I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I think they're going to lose the next two, um, and then they're going to have to make some noise in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but that's me right now.
0: Yeah, so I made a couple changes. Um, Baylor is just, you know, they've had some key injuries, but they've discovered this wonder freshman lately. I have them replacing Auburn in the south, I kept Gonzaga in the west. I've got Arizona moving in where I previously had Kansas in the midwest, and I've got Duke um, instead of now instead of Kentucky in the east. Although Ryan sent me a tweet from Seth Davis. I'm going to read this to you. If this isn't a can of horse shit, I don't know what is. Source confirms to The Athletic what ESPN's Wright Thompson first reported. Duke has requested to be placed in the Midwest Regional, Chicago, instead of the East, Philly. Chicago, after all, is Coach K's hometown. Higher seed normally goes to the closest region, but school decides preference. Since When? Michigan State's never gotten to say, yeah, we want to be in the Midwest because it's in Detroit or because, I mean, you hope for that, but no. I mean, if we're going you to do that, that, you earn it. And and I don't even know why they, I guess their thought is, well, Chicago's further away, so it's whatever, this is home. Come on, give me a break. I don't buy that. But anyway, I do have Duke in the East as a number one seed, so I flipped three of my uh, number one seeds out. Um, Purdue, I kind of followed the one, two, two, and then I dropped them to a 3 Right now, this is going into tonight, so all these stats are um, pre-Indiana Rutgers. Their net is 13. Their Ken Palm is 13, and they've got seven. They're seven and five against Quad One. Illinois I've had as a steady two seed. I've got them on the three seed line now. Um, their net 14. Ken Palm 16. Five and five against Quad One. So not quite as good as Purdue. I think they'd probably be like the, you know, the fourth three seed if you will. Wisconsin has kind of a little bit of yo-yo. Three, four, three, and I have them firmly as a two now. Their net's 20, and their chem-pom's 24, so those numbers don't necessarily like them, but they're 8-3 and three against quad one, and there are not a whole lot of teams in college basketball that have eight quad one wins. Um, Ohio State, I'm with Ryan. I I've slid them down from a 5 to a 6. Their net's 22, chem-pom 26. They're 5-5 five five against quad one. I mean, they're solid, but they could use a couple more wins to, you know, they could probably buoy back up a little bit. Michigan State, I'm not quite as bullish on as Ryan. I, I kept them as a 10 seed. Um, their net slid all the way to 38, which that kind is kind of ridiculous because their net falls like a, a brick that does by not, losing that to Michigan. But Michigan's matter. jumps way up. I don't know. Anyway, their Ken Palm 40. Even Those are metrics that the committee looks at. Four and seven against Quad One. Um, so you're f- creeping into teams that don't don't have winning records now um, against Quad One. Um, Indiana, uh I had, going into tonight, um, playing would have been last 4-12 and 12 in a play-in game, and I had Rutgers in the first four out. I, I'm going to flip those, albeit, interestingly, it'll be interesting to look at it tomorrow. Indiana's net going into tonight, 43, Kimpom 44, 3-6, and six, now 3-7 and seven against Quad 1, whereas Rutgers net 81, Kim Pom 74, but they're now 6-5 and five against Quad 1. So they've played a lot of Quad 1 games, and they've had more wins than losses. Iowa, I'm not moving quite up to the 7. I think they could probably get there. I have them at 9 right now. Although they've got a strong net, 18 yeah, in their Ken pumps, them. 14. But, but, they are 1-5 in against Quad 1. So they have not fared well, nor have they played a lot of Quad 1. And Michigan, this is the first time that they're sniffing it. I've got them in a, as a last 4 in at this point in time, although I think at this time next week we'll be talking about something different. The net likes them at 32 and Kim Pum 29. They're yeah, only four and eight, four and eight against quad one. So I don't know where strength of schedule comes. I didn't look at that this week, but I know that Michigan has a highly rated one. I'm not really sure how or why Their out of conference was not very good. I don't think they've, they played Wisconsin only once, I believe. Right, Ryan. I mean, they played Purdue twice. They played Illinois twice, but yeah. uh, in, in Iowa once. So similar to, to, to like a Michigan state who they're tied with. Um, A couple of interesting things, too, bracketology-wise. You know, like as I've been talking, top 40 offense, top 20 defense. Efficiency-wise is what you want. There's now only seven that fall in that category. A couple weeks ago it was 10. Last week it was nine. It's Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Auburn, Houston, UCLA, and Texas. Those are your teams to start to think of when you get those brackets coming out here in a couple weeks. Um, Big 10 on the cusp. Purdue, number one offense still improved from 118 to 102 on defense. Illinois is closer, 16 on offense, 34 on defense in Wisconsin, 41 on defense, 29 or 41 on offense, 29 on defense. So, those three are in play. Other notables out there, Kentucky's really close, 2 and 23 for their rankings. Duke, 5 and 21, so they're right out on, on the outside. Texas Tech, their defense is number 2, their offense just isn't that great, but that's another team to look at. So, Um, You can thank us and share your winnings when Bracketology comes in. By the way, we will break it down like we did last year, region by region in a couple weeks. All right, let's move on to Mount Rushmore. Ryan always gets to pick. This week, we're going to talk a little NBA, and Ryan wanted to talk about the top four biggest NBA busts. Ryan, go first.
1: Uh, Yeah, first guy that comes to mind... um... He picked, I think, 2013 draft, number one overall by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Anthony Bennett out of UNLV. I don't even. Is he even play that's anymore. That's like one of the worst drafts of all time. If you really look at it, it's just complete trash. No, he doesn't play anymore. He was was in Toledo. He was like a back to the basket, six ten, fat post that didn't do anything. I don't even know. They didn't even have him on the radar. He was going first, and he went first. I don't. I don't know.
0: I don't even. I don't really have a a rating scale in mind. I just put different guys down. But I'm gonna throw out there, Adam Morrison, great college player at Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I mean, some vintage moments had a vintage shootout with Mo and in the Maui um, against Michigan State back then. You know, Gonzaga was fighting and clawing and scratching to. To make it into the Final Four, and they kind of blew it late against, I think it was UCLA. Mm -hmm. Um, He was the number three overall pick in 2006 to the Charlotte, then Bobcats. Picked before Brandon Roy, Rudy Gay, Rajon Rondo. Guys that have all had, you know, not necessarily Hall of Fame careers, but good careers. Um, just, Just not a very good shooter when he got to the nba even though he was an epic shooter in college basketball so he's he's one of my biggest busts um and i I guess i get to go next in the cascading i gotta go greg odin uh-huh. and some of that's not his fault Injuries. honestly because he he was one of the first ones where you ever heard of what was that knee surgery uh microscopic or yeah whatever. the micro or whatever where they do like the little fractures in your kneecap to try to get your knee to heal a lot of it is because, dude, he probably was really like 80 when he played at Ohio State. I mean, he literally looked He's like he was, he looked older than me now. Um, so, I'd I check his birth certificate. I'm not really sure. He's the guy that probably rolled into the AAU gym at age 12 that was shaven and you're knowing that he drove the bus. Um, picked number one overall by the Portland Trailblazers in 2007. He has like
1: 50 NBA games ever?
0: Just a couple of decent guys that were picked behind him. Kevin Durant, Al Horford. Joakim Noah um, look Odin was a great college player but that's the problem with big guys big big guys like a Robert Parrish type of big guy that's just the knees just go shot when you play as much basketball Ryan can attest thought, you know well over a thousand games I'm sure in your career you were playing hundred easy hundreds of games you know 100, 150 200 games a year um that just took its toll on him and you know no fault of his own really was injury wise but big bust.
1: Um, I've got the man, the myth, the legend, Darko. Um, Definitely. Imagine if the Pistons had taken Carmelo or Dwayne Wade or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris
0: Bosh, mm-hmm.
1: all NBA champions that played. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, awful, just awful player. I don't even know how long he lasted for the Pistons. Um, then another guy had six points per game over his career. Darko. Hashim Thabit.
0: Bill, oh, yeah. another big guy that ended up being
1: trash because mm-hmm. he couldn't shoot. He was literally a back to the basket post obsolete. Yep. He was good at Yukon because he could block shots. He was huge. I think he's from
0: Tibet. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. At seven, three, did you, Oh, you went too. Mm-hmm. I got to go. I'm going to go with Kwame Brown, not the old mayor of Detroit. Um, Number one overall pick in 2001 of the Washington Wizards. Shock, they blew a pick. Just listen to some of the guys that... And he came right out of high school, I believe. Listen to the guys that were drafted after him. Tyson Chandler, Paul Gasol, Jason Richardson, Joe Johnson, Zach Randolph. Two Spartans in there. Zach Randolph had like a 18, 19-year career and was a double-double getter his entire career. And this dude, I don't even know. Like... <laughs> if he even played much. I mean, just, uh, that was a that was an epic mess. And the other one, you got a couple guys that you could throw out there. I mean, Sean Bradley, the human wafer, 7'6", out of BYU. He was kind of ridiculous. And not to pick on a guy that died of a heart attack at a young age, but I got to go with Robert Tractor-Trailer as my fourth one. Uh, Michigan guy. Um, yeah. Let's just say he was selected before Dirk Nowitzki and Paul Pierce. Enough said.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll go with the guy that for, I mean, there's a reason for it. It's because they didn't want two guards. The guy that was drafted before the greatest basketball player of all time in Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie. Um, I mean, you think he
0: was okay, but, I mean,
1: getting drafted before (laughs) Michael
0: Jordan. Yeah, that's a big, huge swing and a miss. I mean, even if you make room for him, right? Because they had Drexler. Jordan, Barkley, Stockton, all guys that went after Mm -hmm. him in the draft. All right, stay tuned for more Mount Rushmore, if not next week, coming again soon. We'll get heavy in the tournament here coming up. Spot four, we did it last week, kind of a little bit of a hodgepodge. We'll have plenty of stuff to fill it this week. And this one, Ryan doesn't know these are coming, but this is based on some questions that I had in watching games and chatting back and forth with different friend groups during games. And they're kind of like ask the the player questions. So Ryan is a former guy and some of these are post related, especially thought we'd ask you some questions just to get kind of player feedback. Um, Thanks to our regular listeners for feeding us some of these. So. This was a really good question, and I don't even know if we really talked about it that much. I know you probably would say yes, but I'd be curious if you could answer for former teammates because you had a high basketball IQ. But how aware are you of the guy you are guarding or the guy that's guarding you in their foul situation, especially when you're going in the second half, like if a guy gets yeah. three?
1: I mean, usually coaches let you know, like, oh, this guy's got two fouls, go at him. Like, if Dickinson had two fouls early... You know, and, and sat most of the second half, I mean, you know that, but you go right at them early in the second half. I think that, I mean, I'm, I always looked up at the scoreboard, you know, dead ball, see what the score was, time, all that good stuff. Then you peek at the, you know, the fouls on the, on the board there, especially when you're on the bench looking up at it. So I'd definitely keep aware of that. How of
0: aware stuff. of you are you of your own? Because I know in high school you were – notorious for having a coach who demanded that you catch a body on a screen 30 feet from the basket when you wouldn't have point guards setting you up and you'd get cheap fouls and have to go sit on the bench and it would drive me absolutely oh, very, nuts. very 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 aware of that um yeah this, that was sometimes you're just at the mercy of the refs but and then this was a question that's kind of related to the first one do coaches talk at halftime or in timeouts at about attacking players in foul trouble yeah or something? I definitely pretty epically so, yeah um What what is your feeling on teammates playing to the crowd? This is kind of on the Dickinson conversation, or we saw it tonight, uh, playing to the opposing crowd. With albeit he was in the, I wouldn't necessarily say the right, but he had the right to do it after hitting the shot. Ron Harper Jr. What's your feeling on teammates playing to the crowd?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's always good, you know, interacting with the crowd, you know, trying to hype them up. But I think. You know, when we get to the pointing at the bench, you know, at other coaches, I think that's when it crosses a line. I think that's ridiculous.
0: Um, but you were never really a... No, I mean, I never was. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't remember ever seeing you flex to the Rockford crowd or flex to no, the... I mean, trying to get or, people pumped up, but... I mean, you with like a fist pump or something like that, but I mean, I, I never necessarily saw it. some of your teammates doing it. But do you recall any particular teammates that that did it well that, that would give the team energy? No, I got nothing. <laughs> not, not Big Z? No. A little different AAU. You don't have much in the way of crowds. Not P? No. No? All right. Um, what is your feeling on opponents talking trash to you or talking trash to the bench or talking trash, period? Yeah, I mean, I was
1: never much of a talker when I played. I think as I've, as I got older, I think more so. I mean, even last year, you know, more talk. Um, but now that I'm not playing. I mean, um, you the elder statesman. Right, you get away right. With it. You know, playing rec. I think there's more of that um, that goes into it. But I, I've never been a big fan of kind of just play and let that kind of crap go. But I, I, taunting benches, taunting players. I mean, that, I mean, you remember that stuff. I mean, I remember different stuff from when I was younger playing, people talking, and then you take it right at them. It just
0: gives you more, more motivation, fuels the fire. Right. So, switching up a little bit, thoughts on, in today's day and age, <laughs> post-displacement and how they call the game for or against bigs. And I'm thinking, so the Big Ten has some big bigs, right? Like, 87 7 3 is big Kofi's and strong. Huge. Kofi's huge. Dickinson's a big guy. I mean, which, are, do you think that they they get away with too much? Is there, is there a line that no. needs to be drawn I mean, better? Or I do you think... think
1: I think, like, the the turning of the body and getting people up high with elbows, I think that just happens with size. When you saw with, like, Isaac Haas for Purdue, he was the same way. Just, like, he's huge. So he's going to, obviously, like, his elbow is going to be higher up, right? Right. But, like, when Dickinson, Dickinson gets away with, he headbutts and people. shoulder to, dips. And, and yeah. dips, like, that kind of stuff. Like, just bulldozing your way through just because you're bigger, that's not, like, I have no problem. The, the head, he literally headbutts people to get him out of the way and doesn't get called for it. That that kind of displacement, there's no room for it. Or just completely dislodging with hooking elbows and stuff like that. Or when it's a blatant you know, swing through of the elbow. When he's just turning his body and hitting someone, um,
0: I don't have a problem so with that. So I feel like the game changed a little bit even over your time. Like from high, high school to college, AAU's officiated a little bit differently. So that's kind of to the side. But like, you know arm bar used to be okay and then you could almost kinda of get like too leaning in but you just couldn't extend your arms and then they were very clear with just an arm bar and they even kinda of went to a time when you couldn't even really have you know, once once somebody was getting a little bit more position, you couldn't even touch them at all. Right. I mean what's what's the optimal there like as a player perspective for defending somebody in the post? What's the what do you think should be allowed versus maybe what is allowed? Yeah, I think the arm bars a uh, probably
1: that was definitely the way I Usually guarded it. Um, I think that's probably definitely the easiest way. Because um, then you can play in the middle, and if I mean, unless it's a Dickinson where I would literally give him the red carpet to go right, which he probably wouldn't do. Um, even if he had sewed his left hand behind his back, he probably would still go left. Um,
0: but yeah. Um, and, and that just kind of brings me to more of this is more of a thought than a question, but like it's happened during the Michigan State Purdue game because the announcers and then the the guys in the studio were, you know, railing on. Zach Eadie picked up his second foul late in the first half because they claimed and they they swore that Julius Marvel displaced him from the post with a two-hand shove in the back, which clearly when you watch the replay, like if they had stopped to watch the replay, I could see enough of the replay that he had an arm bar and never extended even that, and he never had a second hand in a position to push. Um, but... You know, and so often I would say announcers complain about calls or no calls by refs when they just don't have the angle to make their argument. Do you think that refs get those calls truly more often, right more often than wrong?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it really depends on the crew, I think. I mean, I think you trust their judgment. I mean, in in the heat of the moment, you think it's not. But, I mean, I think most of the time they're right. um...
0: Right, I think about Coach George when he said a couple weeks ago about, you know, Never do you see a, a, a fan of a team, you know, applaud good officiating when the call goes against them. It's kind of like along that, but I feel like sometimes it's that kind of that crying approach from announcers too. Like, come on, guys! Especially if you're a former player like Robbie Hummel. I mean, you know what's there, and you you're sitting courtside, eye level with guys' waists. Can you really see it from where you are? Even if you have a monitor in front of you, it's not very big. It's no bigger than like a 19-inch TV, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not getting the greatest look. It's just like these refs aren't when they're going to look at at replays. So, um, yeah, those are just a couple of questions, you know, that came your way. So I guess here's another random one in honor of Hope going back to the tourney. First time since your freshman year. What – Walk us through that. What's that like when you clinch that? And especially because in Division 3, it's harder than Division 1 in some ways because there's 40-some automatic bids and still 64 teams get in. So it's a lot harder for an at-large to get in. I mean, obviously, Hope was an auto-bid, but what does that feel like the week leading up to? Do do you change your prep? Do you change your mindset?
1: pretty similar I mean you know it's I mean obviously it's one and done um, but I mean any tournament is that um, I think it's pr- very similar um, you probably even more locked in honestly um, you know and you get the thing is like if you win you turn around and play the next day like we had to turn around and play a really yeah, on Friday Saturday day, yeah um, with little scout little prep I mean watch film
0: on them for like 10 minutes and then you play them so right right it's weird yeah, good stuff good stuff if you got more questions for the big fella Bring him in, because I like to to hear what his answers are, too, now that we've been away from the game for a little bit. All right, spot number five, as it always is, and we're still looking for a sponsor for the spot, golf. So this week, in honor of a golf magazine piece that I just read on the 35 rudest things you can do on a golf course, don't worry, we're not going to go through 35 each. Some of which, to me, like playing music, are pretty benign to consider rude, but... What to you, Ryan, are the top three potential round rage inducers for you?
1: Um,
0: slow Don't play on my list. Slow play. Look at I'm at not, I wasn't
1: even looking at your list. Slow play. Um, you know, some idiot thinks he can drive the green, then he hits it in the woods.
0: Um, so slow play, and that includes guys not letting you play through when you're right. two. Some Ryan and I are are notorious for getting mad about that because you know, the two of us together play fast anyway, and that we'll get into one of my other ones as a result of it. But like, I just, that's the one thing I can't say. And that's the one really bad thing that COVID brought is that good for the game, it brought a lot more golfers. Bad for the game is that meant full tee sheets, which means a lot slower rounds of golf. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of some other things. I don't even know because
0: I, I, I had that one. I got one that you may or may not agree with, and this is a shout out to my boy Jeff because he knows exactly when, where, whole situation, time. Players who trash the green, yeah. So jump, it could be taken as dragging, dragging your feet. Dragging your feet. It was worse when we wore marks, yeah worse when we wore metal spikes. But yeah, yeah, notorious here at Boulder Creek for people who are awful at replacing their ball marks. Um, but you know, taking a swipe cause you're pissed and you take a big chunk or divot out of the green unrake kind of sand traps. Yeah. That's bad. Especially when you're in them, that not goes to one of our divots. rules. You should be able to do what you want type of thing. Not replacing divots or that goes to our rule though. Don't play out of the divots. Here's another one that I have is too many practice swings. Like I might, if it's a difficult shot and I'm not holding anybody up, you know, I might kind of get a feel for like a particular kind of lie in the rough or whatever around the green. But like on the, on the tee box, I'm lined up and I'm going. In the fairway or in the first inner cut of rough, I'm lined up and I'm going. Like I don't get what, what you're wasting your time on all these practice swings. They slow down the game, which is a huge pet peeve. But mm-hmm. just interesting because that, that list, um, I'm pull pull it up here real quick. Just I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there were just kind of some – you know, cause things that are probably more annoyances for people, but like talking too much, um, putting your mouth—they'll say putting your mouth on somebody else's ball. So talking to somebody else's ball, unless unsolicited swing advice, mm-hmm. um, drive your cart too close to the to the ball so they have no room. Standing in somebody's periphery—that stuff doesn't bother me much. I mean, there's a re- I brought Ryan out golfing when he was one and a half and taught him the right way, but like. I played with him when he was a toddler, right? Like so, that stuff just doesn't bother me. Um, taking calls on the course, I do agree with that. It's like, um, if you really need to work, then don't go play golf. Um, somebody, one of the things was order too many damn drinks. What? Why? Like, I've never really seen somebody completely that trash on the golf course. No. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe I'm missing out, but um, you know, there are just a lot of just kind of funny things like that. Too too many practice swings came from there. Cheating. I mean. Hey, it is what it is, right? Like only you know what you really shot. And if you want to lie about what you got because it makes you feel better, that's what handicaps are for. It, You know, it, it catches up with you. Um, here's one somebody I know is guilty of complaining after every bad shot. I don't necessarily think that's rude, but it is kind of a true little thing that happens sometimes. So, all right. That's our fun little golf conversation for the week. Um, Ryan, how are our twosomes doing Um Kind of a crazy one last week with the yeah, way that went down.
1: Last week was crazily pulled up here. Um, yeah, so my guys, Fleetwood missed cut. Mackenzie Hughes did okay. My combined was one hundred and twenty, and then you had um, Im and Kepka. Uh, they were eighty eight combined. Um, so not bad. Um, I think Im missed the cut, and then Kepka actually had a pretty yeah. Nice Kepka was decent. Um, yeah, there. moving on to the Arnie um, big tournament you um, purse. Lots of big, yeah, 12 million one of the dollars. Bigger purses out there. Um, I've got Will Zalatoris. Um, you know, he's played well. Um, I think he's due for his first career win. And then Garrett Higo, a young guy, lefty. Love his game. Uh, I think he's. I think he's South African. Yeah. yeah he won in. Yeah, he won the, the DJ's course or like whatever last year. Yeah. Last year, yeah. So I mean, he's he's a good player. I think he's he's my dark horse. Um, yeah. Hopefully, a good week. Uh, love watching this
0: one. Always have. And the next week we got the players, so we'll be and on. I always forget like last week with the Honda. I mean the bear trap and how hard that course is. Yeah, like that's the, not easy coming in those three holes with the water and the, And then the just deluge started last week, so it was it was crazy. It was tough to see Berger blow a five shot lead, and then it was tough to see Lowry even blow a lead because he's a likable dude. Uh, but kind of cool to see the first Austrian ever to win it last week. I'm going back to the well with one of my guys this week, who actually fared okay. He didn't certainly didn't win, but he was you know top 15ish, I think it was at uh, Riviera's where I picked him. But I've got Leishman, um, and then my longer shot this week is Tom Hoagie, who's playing really well and actually got the win. Was that a Pebble that he got that win? Yes. In the AT and T, um, it's hard to win twice, uh, especially when you're kind of a no name. But um, he's a good guy. There's a lot of if you're of. If you like to have a little bit of fun with a couple of nickels there are a lot of more interesting kind of prop bets this week on the army um you know certain groups of guys to make top 10 top 20 top 30 type of thing and stuff so there's some fun stuff out there i just throw 50 cents on stuff and you know sometimes if i hit long odds like stewart sink last year with a buck on plus 13 thousand it hurts because you only went 130 bucks but hey it's fun to just win a couple bucks and, and keep being able to play a little bit more with a man's money. So that is golf for this week. And Phil needs to shut up. Yeah, like his apology, we talked a little bit about last week, his apology. I mean, he's losing sponsors left and right. This is, uh, I don't know, he might be, he, he may never get to be a captain of the Ryder Cup. I mean, he's he's towing a line for sure. And he's losing a lot of, I don't know about fan fans, like I don't, I do He needs to shut up, but I'm not going to change how I feel about watching him play golf. Um, But he's losing a lot of fans on the tour, which, you know, of peers, which is not a good thing. All right, moving on to our sprint. Ryan, first line, give me a college hoops play-by-play guy that you cannot stand to listen to.
1: Guy, I won't say a girl. Lisa Binton. If I have to hear that
0: lady in the tournament, I will mute the TV. <laughs> oh, equally garbage. there for me is Tim Brando. Yeah, I trash. got that question because of last night. He's just he's trash. But that that lady ruined Texas's loss in the NCAA tournament last year by her crap. Uh, um, half court. Give me a college basketball color guy. Who's in the studios, kind of a tough one, more more often than he is on a broadcast, but that should be Alfonso Ellis, I think he's terrific. Alfonso Ellis. We played against him in A. Yeah, like remember him. that? Down in South I Bend? I like him a lot. Uh, for me, it's a guy that is dabbles in it so a little bit, but used to be the primary Big Ten guy on ESPN Lavin? and that's Steve Lavin. Yeah, he's Love good. Love Laughing. He's, really he's good. so, so good. All right. A, little, a couple of fun ones to close here. Far free throw line and back. Better March Madness movie. Hoosiers or Glory Road? Hoosiers, both great movies. And full court and back, better Detroit style pizza. Buddies or Jets? Well, I feel like,
1: oh, that's tough. I'll go with Jets. I've, I've only had Buddies once, so Buddies a little
0: e- extra cheesy, and I got to go with Hoosiers for the for the other one. But I had Buddies for the first time in an age last weekend, and it was really good. really good. good um, jets is probably a smidge greasier. Buddies a little cheesier. I I gotta probably agree. I would give it to Jets for now, just because I haven't had buddies enough. But I'll be hitting buddies a little bit more often. All right, Ryan closes out with some social media stuff.
1: Final score thirty five uh, on Twitter. Trying to, we'll, we'll start tweeting out some uh, more stuff here as we get closer uh, to March Madness. We will be doing another um, bracket game. So uh, I in starting tomorrow, I'm gonna start looking for someone to sponsor that, um, so we can do a little something with a prize. Um, try to get in uh, a bunch of people in that. Um, So spread that word. Um, Once that gets out there, we'll post that on Twitter, um, share that uh, around. But, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Um, Keep giving us topics. Love it. Um, Yeah.
0: March is here, baby. That's right. Madness is upon us. Mm -hmm. All right, a little shout-out again to Team Anders Realtors, um, our presenting sponsor. Great people, great realtors. If you're in West Michigan and you have realty needs, teamanders.com. Meantime, as Coach Haskins or his character said in Glory Road, I speak, you listen. I don't want to hear can't or won't or coach, I'm bleeding. I don't want to hear anything except the basketball bounce.